the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. My guest today is a Bay Area native, a graduate of Terra Linda High School up in Marin County, been married to his wife, Dina, for 37 years, and is a new grandfather. So by the end of the broadcast, expect there to be a slideshow. The photographs will come out. We'll hear all about it. We are pleased to have join us today the senior pastor of Sonoma Lighthouse with campuses in Sonoma, Santa Rosa, and Guerneville, Pastor Steve Reyes. And Pastor Steve, great to have you with us today. Thank you so much for allowing me to join you. Real privilege. And we're going to hold you to those photographs of the grandkid <laughs> before, it's all, before it's all over with. Well, a delight to get a chance to visit with you today, talk a bit about what God is doing in and through Sonoma Lighthouse, and you're part of the, the North Bay area of the San Francisco Bay region. But let's start with a little bit of background for listeners that are perhaps unfamiliar with you and your ministry. I mentioned in my opening remarks you were a Bay Area native. Take a moment, if you would, and kind of walk us through your spiritual journey. Had you been raised in the church? And, and talk to us a bit about your uh, your initial encounter when God got a hold of you. Yeah. Um, I was saved in 1980. I was born again in 1980. My, um, his, my history before that is pretty simply, I was born in the middle of the L.A. Barrio, um, Montebello, California, and then we lived on Gage Avenue. And through a really powerful uh, group of expressions, uh, I was been, I got to see as a as a young child church just in the cultural sense of the Mexican heritage and everything like that. And so um, early on, my mom had gotten saved and had taken us to a little Pentecostal church. And I'm told that as a little guy, I, I would kneel at the little altar there and, and I would I would pray to Jesus. And and I remember a lot of things and I kind of this a little bit little little vague there, but but then just became secular, just moved into a, a regular life. And God was not a part of my life at all. And uh, so it one thing led to another in but just before 1980 i was living in marin county i it's really interesting because i was exposed to all of everything everybody else was in marin all of the bay area music for example i i own the cp70 electric piano that the elect that the grateful dead used to tour the world wow yeah it, it's a just a little piece of piano in my garage and it's it's a just a testimony of kind of the, the way that Bay Area kids are constantly uh, exposed to all kinds of different things that, that are happening out there. So Jesus Church, Gospel, Christ, that was all my mom's thing. But then on July 31st, 1980, I was driving my mom uh, some, somewhere. Um, can, I, can I backtrack because it's a little important? Prior to this salvation event, three, some months earlier, Eight stamps are fuzzy. My mom and my mom wanted to, to uh, was reaching for me, and she wanted me to go to a Keith Green concert. And I, I don't know who Keith Green was, and so she flipped a cassette deck to me and said, "Hey, come in. We're going to listen to this guy." 
tell, tell me what you think. And I, I said, oh, mom, it's, it's your church music. No, no, thanks. I was listening to Earth, Wind and Fire and Elton John. I didn't need that. And I don't know, got bored. I popped in the, the cassette tape. Do you remember cassette tapes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Blast from the past. Just saying. So we popped one of those in and I listened and I heard this guy pound this piano all across the room. I thought, goodness sakes, that's exciting. I said, okay, mom, tell you what, I'll go with you to your gig. And so my mom puts us in a car. My, my, my mother is the only one serving the Lord at this time. We go across the, um, we go across the bay and we go to the church with the big three crosses there. And so there, Keith Green is, well, we pull up and it's, there's a huge crowd outside the door. There's people, the, the announcement comes, it's packed. Keith is, stay around. Keith is going to do a second concert. We're, we're debating whether we're going to stay. And then they come out and, 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 and they, and they say, you know, we're going to try and make it happen. I did something as, as the Lord is my witness. I really did this. I said, we get to, we were walking up in the big crowd and I said, Oh dad, this is a church. They're dumb. They leave, they leave all kinds of doors open. And my family followed me around the back of the church where I just kept trying doors to get in. Remember, I'm not a, I'm not a believer. I'm not a, I'm just a kid. I'm a teen kid. It's like, anyway, Lord's involved obviously. I pull a handle, the door opens, we walk in, some guy with a headset walks by. I, I ask him, hey, where's, where's the stage? And you go, oh, that way. And he just assumed, you know, I'm there. I know what I'm doing. I belong there, I guess. I don't know. I walk over, I open the door, I walk in, and there in the front row are a bunch of reserved seats. I go, oh, great, there's our seats. And we went in and sat in those seats. Packed auditorium. Then they announce, Keith doesn't want to do a second concert. He wants to pack as many as we can in. And so now they're sitting on the floors. He says, you can come up and sit around the uh, uh, stage. Hey, I came for the music. I don't know who Keith is. I'm going to sit around the stage. So I go up there and I sit behind the, the, the piano where I can watch his hands. I'm there. I have my, my youngest sister, Laura, on my lap. And he plays. And I watch him play. And it, it, learn. I'm learning things while he's playing. I'm like, man, this guy can play and sing. Well, that that's what I do. That's what I I want to watch him do it. It comes time for him to preach, and he, you, you know, a piano bench is uh, rectangular, so he goes to turn it, and I'm in the way now. So he literally has to reach over, and his right hand touches me on the chest, and he says, "He scoop back a little." I said, "Yeah," and I move my chair back. He turns his chair, and he looks this way, and he puts his finger in the air to points it up, and he starts to preach. And as God is my witness, I can't tell you a word he said. Mm-hmm. I started to cry, and I cried for three days. I didn't know what was happening to me. I had no idea what I I did. I didn't know Holy Spirit from from nothing. That event. So then, fast forward, I have this three-day event. Fast forward, my mom says, Let, hey, I'm going up to the Santa Rosa campus, and we live in Lucas Valley. You want to drive me? No, 
do you want to come with me? I'm like, no, whatever that was, <laughs> you know, I don't want to go hear that guy. No, whatever that was, you, you can have it. And she says, well, I'm going to be gone for the weekend because it's a camp thing. It's going to be all there. And if you want to use my car, you've got to drive me up there. And I said, okay. And so I, I got in the car to drive her up there and in the car on the way, the Lord comes into the automobile and he introduces himself to me. And I got saved in my car on July 31st, 1980, driving to Jesus West Coast. Oh. I stayed. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happened. So that's 1980. Then the rest of the vast years, I stayed in one church for 20 years. At the end of 20, I worked with some other ministries and stuff, but I stayed in the same church under one pastor. And then... In the year 2000, um, we gave everything away and went to Asia and lived in Manila, Philippines. And I ministered there and and met the greatest, one of the greatest men in the whole world, Bishop Boy Ramos. And we would we would jump in the car and go out to the to remote places of villages where there were little churches of 12 people and we would bring a bag of rice and we would bring a a new shirt for the pastor and some slacks and we would bring toys for the babies and clothes for the moms and we would and and I would sing and he would preach and and it was just then we'd go to the next church with 13 and on we would do that it was just one of the greatest times of my life just real in in the trenches ministry Our conversation with Pastor Steve Reyes, Senior Pastor of Sonoma Lighthouse. We'll take a brief time out, back to more of our visit in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking today with the Senior Pastor of Sonoma Lighthouse, Pastor Steve Reyes. Pastor Reyes, let's pick up the conversation where we left off just a moment ago. From the time God got a hold of you, uh, not long after your high school experience, at what point did you begin to recognize that in addition to saving you and drawing him unto yourself, that he wanted to put you to work for the kingdom? When, when did you first get the inkling that there was a calling on your life? Fair question. Um, right away, to be embarrassingly honest, I had a very supernatural experience. And in that time, he told me what I would be doing in the future and places I would go and things I would do. And so the first thing, believe it or not, he told me to do was to go to church. And and immediately, I, I, like, I went to the youth guy and I said, what do I do? He said, read the Bible. So I read the Bible. I came back. I said, that was a great book. What do I do now? He goes, oh, no, <laughs> one of these. <laughs> So right away, they started a Bible school at that church. I got involved, and then I made, I aimed that direction since I was 18 years old. What was your mother's reaction to all of this? I mean, it, had she had an inkling that God had his hand on your life in a significant way? When you finally, after putting up all that resistance uh, early on and kind of begrudgingly getting drug into church, now all of a sudden you're throwing yourself into church and willing to essentially, as you mentioned, surrender your life to ministry. What was mom's reaction? Man, I- you almost made me cry there. I am so glad you asked about my mom and her role in that, because the truth is that my mother was, is still, still alive. I love her, lives around the corner, is still uh, a praying woman. And it was my mom's prayers that were constant, regular. I, 
Um, I can remember coming in as a lost teenager from being out in crazy car rides where I should have not come back home alive. I can remember coming in the door at 2 2 a.m. and sliding the glass door and looking and my mom gets up off her knees in the living room and comes over and kisses me on the cheek and says, I'm glad you're home, mijo, and kisses me and goes to sleep. And I know that I'm alive because of her prayers. But she constantly prayed for her children and her husband who was not saved. And all of us are saved and serving the Lord. Is there, and I I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway for the benefit of those eavesdropping on our conversation. Is there a message there, Pat? Pastor Steve, for everyone listening right now that has prayed for a child, raised them in church, done all the right things, and yet seeing that child go wayward, is there a message here in terms of the faithfulness of God and the impact of a praying mother, a praying father on that child's, that son or daughter's life? I would, I can, amen, there's a message and it's this, the voice that you are listening to talk to you right now is speaking to you because that mom didn't give up praying. And if you are a praying mom or dad, I want you to know God is hearing you and he is listening and he has a bowl that is filled with your prayers and your tears. And he's going to answer your prayer. And it's just a matter, I think, of being consistent and being faithful. And it's not the same for everybody. As you mentioned, oh, your, yeah. your your testimony on the dramatic side, not everyone has that kind of encounter. Some people, as a young child, start going to church, respond to an altar call, and then end up serving the Lord for the next 90 years. Other people have to go through some rough times and have a rough and tumbled experience on the way to the altar. I think, though, in the end, both have an incredible testimony, whether it's the testimony of what God has saved you from or kept you from. Nevertheless, it's a phenomenal testimony of his grace and his faithfulness. You know, I, I think of the Roman centurion and what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved and your household. And I believe that that's a promise that if we are faithful in prayer and leading by example, it might take 10 years, it might Amen. take 20 or 30 years. Amen. It isn't to us as to when God answers our prayer, but that he answers our prayer. And you know what it, the Bible says about that that fervent righteous man praying that that fervent righteous prayer availeth or brings about much. And I think that's that's an important message, I think, for parents to hear these days. We look in the news every day, Pastor Steve, we see yes. all see it stories about crime and kids that are shooting, not only shooting each other, shooting teachers. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly we are in a lost and dying world and all the signs point to mm-hmm. that sense of drawing ever so close mm-hmm. to the end times. And yet in mm-hmm. and through all of this, God's faithfulness to his word continues to be as much real that we can lay our life on today as it was back in Jesus' time. Walk us through, if you would, from the time you started getting involved in that church and said, okay, God, uh, I'm, I'm lock, stock, and barrel. I'm turning it all over to you. Uh, there were obviously some miracles along the way. And you, you shared with me briefly how the Lord led you 
and your spouse to Sonoma Lighthouse. And uh, you had kind of an interesting encounter. Now, most of us walk out of a coffee shop with a bit of jitters <laughs> from the caffeine. <laughs> you walked out of a co- out of a coffee shop with a very different experience, and and I and I and it's a wonderful story. Walk us through that. I had gone to Sonoma to do a wedding, and I they were not ready yet, and so I went across the street to the coffee shop. I got my cup of coffee at Deaf Dog Cafe, and. As I was walking out of the shop, the Lord uh, encountered me, and he spoke directly to me and said, Stephen, I'm going to, you're going to pastor in this city. And then he began to talk to me about the names of people in that valley, um, people I'd never met. And I was overwhelmed and dropped my coffee and ran around the corner and huddled and cried and prayed and talked to the Lord a while about what he was telling me. And then when I could get my wits together and I was still crying, I called the man that I was working with at the time, Pastor Caleb Kling of New Life Christian Center in Novato. And he had graciously received me back from our missionary journey that we'd returned from. And so we, uh, I said, Pastor, we, brother, we, we are... God just spoke to me. We're going to do a church here. And I just just gushed with what the Lord was talking to me about. And we prayed together on the phone that God would, you know, bring it to pass. And then we called it a wrap. A couple of weeks later, date stamps are fuzzy here. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But not long, a couple of weeks or so later, my, my pastor's at a conference. And at the conference, Two people come to him, approach him, and ask him, "Are you from Novato?" He confirms, "Yeah, I am." And they said, and they talked a little bit, and it was. He said it was in their heart. It was in their heart to give him their church, and they wanted to know if he had anybody that could take that, that church. And he said, "Well, I I think I've got one guy that that could do it." And he was kind of thinking of me, but nothing definite. And and then they said, "Well," and he asked him, "Well, where's your church?" And it, and he said, and they said, it's in Sonoma. And he goes, oh, oh goodness, he, uh, he just called me from there. And so the discussions began, and they confirmed it, and they said, yep, you're the guy. Let's, let's put you in this place. And so fast version, in November of 2005, they, they washed my feet and handed me the, 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 the keys and the, everything to the church there, a the little bit in the bank, and little, the little handful of people that were left there and so we started there in uh, 2005. Wow. And, and out of that remnant, of course, uh, God has done some tremendous things. And now you are oh, meeting wow. in multiple campuses. And we'll, we'll talk about another miracle related to that uh, as our con- conversation continues. But I'm curious, walk me back for a minute, because you had just recently, when all this came about, and the Lord had that encounter with you walking out of a coffee shop, uh, you had just returned from a five-year stint in the mission field working in the Philippines. And, of yes. course, you can see there it, it, extreme demonstrations of poverty. Oh, yeah. Uh, more so, perhaps, than even some of the poverty we see here at home in the United States. And I'm curious mm. how all of that fed into your heartbeat, your burden for people in Sonoma 
And those particular, as we think about, for example, the, lots of agriculture going on in Sonoma, Napa counties. We know that there are a lot of migrant farm workers that come up and work that are also extremely poor. Was God using that as kind of a way of not just setting the stage, but setting your heart for the ministry that you would be doing today? What an what a interesting question. I don't know that I've ever considered that parallel, uh, that relationship. Uh, it, it's it's well served. Um, I worked together with one of the greatest men of God that I, I, God has been so good to me to allow me to meet great men uh, in his kingdom. And one of them was Bishop Benjamin Boy Ramos. And uh, I could talk about this man for the next two days. But simply put, he was a mafia boss in the 70s that kidnapped a uh, Nazarene pastor's daughter and ha- had kids with her and then be- got radically saved and then became a pastor. And what he did as a result of that was minister to the poor. So he and I together... I would jump in a car with him and we would travel for hours to remote villages with a bag of rice, some a new shirt and pants for the pastor, a new dress for the wife, new toys for the kids. And we would go to his church at eight people because back in the 1970s, there was this move of God that scattered all over the Philippines and then nobody supported that move. So there were these remote pastors that were trying to prop up these small churches. So we would go out to those small churches and we would bless them and we would encourage them and we would uh, just give them ministry. He would preach and I would sing and we would bless them and then we would go to the next one and do it. And then once a year, they would hold a conference in Manila, which they still do. And it's called Times of Refreshing. And these pastors would come from all over and merge into Manila. And we would give them this great, we'd rent a coliseum and give them this great time and supply them with more bikes and trikes and things that they needed, uh, uh, material supply, and then have just these great inspirational conferences for a couple of days and got to figure we would have to feed them and host them all around the area like that. So that heart for the smaller church and the smaller church pastor and how they are just grinding to get it done that's in the middle of my heart. And so I came back and took a tiny little church. And, and I want to I just want to encourage any pastor out there listening that's got just a little handful. I, I want you to know you're doing the right thing and that the Lord is with you. I want you to know the Lord is with you today. So, yeah, you're right. That is a, a key point in my training. You know, and the interesting thing is that when we read scripture, it doesn't say if you love me. And it's a group of 500 or more, oh, feed my you. sheep. It just says, if you love me, feed my sheep. And, and to your point, 
Pastor Ray's, you know, we 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 typically, and this is a Western thing. This is certainly an American thing. That the yardstick, the measurement, is always how many showed up, how many put how much money in the offering plate, how far is the thermometer on the building fund growing? Right. It, it it's all right. of these sorts of metrics related to very tactile numbers, where we focus on the group size and not on the maturity depth. And yet, if you think about it, here we sit, 2,000 years after the fact, and the message that you carry on today is on the spiritual shoulders and legacy of 12 people. Truth. Not 12 million. Truth. 12 people. And I think it points to the fact that in God's economy, you know, I'm often reminded, if I was the only person on the planet God loves us so much, he would have sent Jesus to die just for me. Amen. Because we see written throughout Scripture how desperate God is in wanting to have relationship with his creation and that he's willing to go to any length by any means in order to to build that bridge, to bring about that reconciliation with his fallen creation. Our conversation with Pastor Steve Reyes, Senior Pastor of Sonoma Lighthouse. We'll take a brief time out, back to more of our visit in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking today with the Senior Pastor of Sonoma Lighthouse, Pastor Steve Reyes. Pastor Reyes, I want to pick up where we left off just a minute ago. I love the fact that God used in your early spiritual DNA the experience of going out, not to big crowds of 10 and 20 and 30,000, <laughs> but small groups that nevertheless still needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's, there's no right. conditions that I read in Scripture that says, go into the highways and byways, compel them to come in, go to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts, provided that there's 50,000 or more showing up at the stadium. It does not right. say that. It doesn't say that. And I think you're, you're, you're right in, in encouraging pastors to say, you know, at the end of the day, it's not in the numbers, it's in the quality and if you look at the first century church, there were no numbers. They were all hiding underground. They were down in the catacombs. They were doing secret meetings. It was all house churches. And, you know, this is not to take anything away from someone who was called to big a build, build a big church and, and have that mega church experience. But there's something unique, I think, too, about that iron sharpening iron experience that uniquely happens in a smaller church. I agree. As you have watched God work now uh, through Sonoma Lighthouse, and I mentioned in my opening remarks that there are now three campuses in Sonoma, Santa Rosa, Guerneville. One is a recent plant, I understand. Uh, give us kind of a snapshot as to what God has been doing. There's actually four. Four. There's two in Sonoma. And we have the main campus, and then we I have the real privilege uh of working together with my father um, at my mom and dad, 83 and 80 in across town as they run our Spanish campus there. And, um, but there are, uh, here's, we got, uh, my language is simply this. When someone puts a baby on your doorstep, you may not know what the right answer is, but the wrong answer is no thank you. And so that's what happened to us. 
we began to grow exponentially and we were stuck in this position where we were in a little dome I, it, our first campus is it was a geodesic dome the, the one that i got was a geodesic dome that seats comfortably maybe 80 people and we began to outgrow that quickly i was i had to rent a baptist church hall around the corner buy wine shuttle buses and put the kids on them to go around the corner and and, and hold Sunday school for them there because there was no room on site. Well, no new visiting parent wants to watch their kid get on a bus and drive away. It's just not, you're just not going to, that, that's not going to work. And so we, ha- so we put plans to, we had plans to develop and said, okay, raised a little bit of funds and, and I think I was good for financing around, oh, around two million or so. So we were going to now build on the property that we had, put a little 50 by 100 big box and try and make it multipurpose and see what happens. And literally two months before I was going to put a shovel in the ground, I, I've got permits in, that are that have been passed and plans drawn and everything ready to go. Two months before we're going to put shovels in the ground, I get a phone call from from a well-known person in the Bay Area. And uh, he he talks to me and he says, uh, would you like to, how, how would you like to buy our church in town there? And uh, and then I, I looked at it and I, I it's in, you know, near the square, everything's good there. And I, I do a quick Zillow and it, it's 3.5 easy. And I've only I've only got financing for two. There's not going to happen. You, you've got to be thinking at fin- this point. You, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong number because this is. Yeah, not yeah. Me. You know, I thought, <laughs> oh, I would love to, Pastor. I would. What a sweet thought. I would love to, but I there's no way I can afford it. I I I I didn't say that, but I just that's what I'm thinking. I, I zillow real quick. I find the numbers. I I call. I have a really sharp pencil in, in on, on my on our team, and I said I said Caitlin, what, what what do we do here? He says, Well, here's the thing. We're good for two right now. If you can get them to to, to carry one and a half for a couple of years on a low interest, la la la. So we do. I said okay. I said Let, let's meet. And so so uh, brother Kitely Patrick Kitely comes and meets with me at their at their campus here in Sonoma. And they had come the year before and tried to uh, adopt, adapt that place to be a campus of their uh, Oakland Shiloh work. And it, and it, it, never, it never grew. It, it never, uh, never landed. And, and so he, uh, I come in, shake hands, and he starts to share with me the, the the beauty of the building that they have just thrown you know half a million at and and there's new everything and and by the way when covid hit we were we were ready to go because of that because they had made it like ready to broadcast and go so we didn't have to do any adjustments to to make it a you know a telecampus well so he starts to explain and and i i interrupted him quickly and i said brother it's beautiful. That's not the problem. I need to know if I can. I, I don't want to waste your time. I need to know if I can pull this trigger. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm looking to buy a Chevrolet. You're trying to sell me a Cadillac. There it is right there. I, I, and I just I, I love you. Let's see. Let's see if I'm even in even in the zone. And I said, I, I've got two. So I need you to hold one and a half back or, or so more or less. What are we talking about? And he said, 
Oh, Stephen, you don't know what's happening, do you? And he goes over to the table and he pulls out one eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And he sets it there and he says, on the top of it, it says $950,000. On the bottom, it's already signed. And I said, oh my gosh, one million. That was the deposit? Yeah, that's what I wanted to know. What's the rest of the deal? How do I, how much more do I have to? And he just nods. He says, nope, that's the whole thing. All we want to do is recover the costs of the investment that we put in it. Let me me interrupt. Let me interrupt. Back up the truck. I want (laughs) listeners to capture what you're saying. (laughs) You have gathered, set aside people in the church, have sacrificed, pledged, donated. You're sitting on a nest egg, a kitty of about two million. No, You're no, no. Sitting on a next nest egg of 200,000. 200,000. We're having finance for two mil. Go ahead. Okay. You're now looking suddenly at a piece of property that's worth roughly three, three and a half million. Pastor Kitely is coming to you and saying, yes, we'd like you to take our building and we're willing to let it go for under a million dollars. Correct. Total. There's no surprise. There's no balloon payment. There's no, and in six months, write us a check for. It's roughly less than a third of what you had been anticipating the price tag would be. Well, this, folks, is what what happens when you have the Holy Spirit as your real estate negotiator. (laughs) (laughs) You, what was your reaction in that moment? I looked at him. I said, if I sign this right now, you're giving me $2.5 million. He said, exactly. I said, why? Valid question. My my sharp pencil guy said, what? Is it a gambling debt settlement? Ask. I want to find out. (laughs) What's what's wrong with the property? You know, this is a super fun site. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, And this, it is the, there is a plaque hanging in my building and in Shiloh, Oakland, that testifies to the gratitude of us being the recipient of their unmitigated generosity, their flat-out gifting and investment in the purpose of God in Sonoma. Our conversation with Pastor Steve Reyes, Senior Pastor of Sonoma Lighthouse. We'll take a brief time out, back to more of our visit in just a moment. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back. We're talking today with the Senior Pastor of Sonoma Lighthouse, Pastor Steve Rays. Pastor Rays, let's pick up the conversation where we left off just a moment ago. In the more, shall we say, uh, pedestrian day-to-day aspect of this, what's the message here? Is the message um, that you can't outgive God, and when you completely sell out for God, He will not only meet your expectations, he will exceed your expectations beyond your wildest dreams. Is that the message? At least. I told you I went to Manila. The reason we came home was because the man that I was working with sent me home. And he put his hands on me. He said, I love you. I need you. I want you. But God is going to do more things with you at home than we can do here. And he prayed for me and he said, God is going to give you a house. And uh, that pattern has happened four times in my life where God just gives me these things. And uh, 
It is extremely powerful. We our newest campus. We celebrated one year opening our new campus uh, in Santa Rosa that was, again, given to me. Uh, and I, I can't... I can't script these things or make them up and I don't go looking for them. And and so what I what I just want to encourage, I, I bear witness to what you're saying, and I just want to encourage your listeners that what you just said about not being able to outgive God and is just known by anyone that walks with God, it's really true. It's not just a pithy statement. It's not an idea or a conceptual thing that you say it is the fact that a person that gives to god in whatever way they can god sees that notes that and sets things in motion that are completely bigger than you and the blessing you you just cannot you you cannot bless him. It just it gets big. You know, as our time is winding down, Pastor, the the phrase that comes to mind, which uh, maybe is is sort of the homework for all of us, hmm. um, as we we conclude our our discussion here in a moment, um, and that is this is evidence the the story of Sonoma Lighthouse, the story of Steve and Dina Ray's, is evidence of what happens. When one is willing enough to simply say, here am I, Lord, send me. No strings attached, no expectations. God, whatever you want to do, do it. I am your earthen vessel. You as the, the potter mold this clay to your glory. And I think what God can do through a surrendered vessel I got three words. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> okay, be- before I need to grab the, for the tissue here, um, spend a moment, if you would, Pastor. Tell us a bit about, <laughs> I, dare I say, what God is doing. <laughs> I think we've just spent the last 35 minutes talking about what God is doing at Sonoma Lighthouse. But for folks that are new to the San Francisco Bay Area, maybe they're looking for a new church home. Tell us a bit about life and ministry at Sonoma Lighthouse. Wow. We call ourselves, our tagline, we call ourselves a fellowship of committed Christian friends. And what I want to celebrate right now as I look forward, and if you're listening, you're looking for a home in church. I work with a dream team. I can't, I have a group of elderly saints that call it home. And I tell them that they are my canary in the coal mine. If they're here, it means that the gospel that we're preaching is not just faddish or or some new thing, but it is it is built on the rock of ages. It is the truth of the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ preached in our church. And I have a dream team. I, I, I celebrate that recently I looked out and I said, how many of you, this is the only church you've known? And roughly two-thirds of the hands went up. This is lighthouse is all they know because we save genuinely lost people, genuinely non-church people. So if you are a non-churched person, um, I, I guarantee you can find a place in, in our fellowship. I, I, I guarantee it. And you got to think about it. If 
Most of the people we have are people that never had a former church affiliation or, or don't know anything. Uh, my, one of my elders, one of my most recent elders was grew up as an atheist in Marin and from atheist to elder is his testimony. So that kind of, Hey, I don't know. I'm searching and looking, dude, this is the, this is a place for you. And, and, and maybe finally in, in that thought is what I see for the future is I looked out and I saw 11 baby bubbles at one time in one service. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's pregnant ladies. And one of them had twins and, and, and They've all since been born, but the future is in our young people. Mm-hmm. And I celebrate right now our our young adult workers, John and Yee, Jordan and Amber, and our amazing kids program leaders, Johnny and Victoria, because they are literally in our, our, our youth department leaders, Koi and Stephanie. In what they're doing to raise these kids, we, we're seeing this growth that is so beautiful and so exciting. Just real phenomenal discipleship having, happening. And across the four campuses of Sonoma Lighthouse, again, ministry taking place in Sonoma, Santa Rosa, Guerneville. More information available on the web at sonomalighthouse.com. That's sonomalighthouse.com. If you're one of those people eavesdropping on this conversation today that says, you know, I'm looking for a place where I can grow where planted. I, I'm in that headspace of here am I, Lord, send me. Uh, maybe the calling is for you to get involved in the ministry of Sonoma Lighthouse. Again, information available on the web at sonomalighthouse.com, or you can call area code 707-343-1616 at 707-343-1616, or again on the web at sonomalighthouse.com. Our thanks to Pastor Steve Rays for being with us today. Pastor, it's been a thrill and a delight to get a chance to hear your story. And uh, and also uh, just absorb some of your passion for for ministry and for the Lord. Thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you again for this privilege. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.